CavsCorner.com. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, January the 23rd, year of our Lord, 2019. Uh, Virginia lost a basketball game, and I don't even know what to do. It was the strangest No, uh, The Cavaliers obviously go down to Durham and left with a 72-70 to 70 loss to the Blue Devils in a game that we will no less be dicing up here very shortly on this year's program. Um, we'll also talk about um, Virginia's win over Wake Forest, and then the Cavaliers have a pair of upcoming games that we will talk about before, obviously, we get back together next week. Um, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. Up in Fishersville, David Spence is on the show. How are you, my friend? I'm pretty stressed, Brad. You know, it's been a lot, lot on my mind. I don't know whether to thank Justin Fuente or not. Don't know which side, which arm to put my Jay Huff tattoo on. It's just a whole lot going on up here. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. <laughs> did you spend a lot of time workshopping that this afternoon, or <laughs> did you just come up with that on the fly? Uh, up in Arlington, staff writer Justin Ferber also on the show. How are you, my friend? Stressed out as well. Just trying to figure out how to sort through all these rivalry games we got here these days. Um, I didn't prepare anything like Dave, though. I just made that up. At Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. And uh, Cavs Corner, also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner, great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, Stay out of my messages, Duke fans. (laughs) So the other day, Ferber (laughs) writes this column, and it it became very clear to me very quickly that my phone was going to be buzzing for a while. And so I, I, I don't know if I texted you directly or if I texted the group thread. I was like, thanks for this. Thanks a lot. Um, but that that rivalry. Oh, I got it too. I no, I know. I saw I saw you. I saw you mention um, that rivalry game ended up being pretty sweet. Uh, I know for a lot of people to watch two teams sort of go iso 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 was a little bit outside the norm. Um, but I thought it was sort of fascinating the different sort of um, adjustments the teams made and and the talent on display and everything that went into it. The three of us talked a lot in. Uh, the intervening days about that game, uh, about whether Trey Jones playing would have changed things. How would it change things, and 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 would it even have maybe made UVA um, made things a little easier on UVA? Uh, we talked about sort of the the different ways that you could, if you're if you're gonna, I mean, if you think about the the next matchup between these two teams coming up in a few weeks, you know, it's you you, you sort of think that on, on some level Duke's going to try to to go back to the well again. So what does UVA do to counter? Um, I think that's the place I want to start. I, I think all of us, and you guys can speak up if I'm wrong here, that we all sort of had the same mindset coming out of that loss, which was like, all right, cool. Like it, it wasn't earth shattering. It would have been nice for them to win. Uh, it would have been fun for them to, you know, continue to be the only undefeated team in the country, but ultimately like doesn't really, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but it doesn't really hurt um, a whole lot because it's January and because it's their first loss and, all that kind of fun stuff. Dave, you've had a couple of days now to think about it. You're apparently very stressed out over there. Um, <laughs> what, 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 are your, what are your thoughts and feelings now about that game, having you know, had a few days to, to sort of let it all settle? I mean, I was upset after the game just because I, I thought you know, up until like the last three or four minutes, Virginia had a very good chance to win it and then clawed back at the end to kind of make it a little more interesting. Um, but there's also a part of me that realized even if Virginia had snuck by and won that thing, they weren't going to get the credit that Virginia fans wanted because they would have pointed to Jones's absence. So um, I quickly pivoted from worrying about the result because, you know, Virginia showed up and, you know, 
look, we talked on the podcast leading up to the game about how, and maybe I'm pretty sure it was me who said it, like we've seen what Duke has before, um, just not that many on a team. I, I was a little wrong on that. <laughs> we've seen two of the three of what Duke had before. I, at least in the, in the Tony Bennett area, I've never seen anyone like Zion Williamson. Um, so, I mean, I guess my big take-home message after that game is that dude's really good. Um, and that team, like, the fact that they were able to do what they did against the pack line, it kind of goes about goes against everything you thought you had to have to beat a pack line. Um, you know, I know Justin always brings up, you know, shooting the three early or, I mean, don't want to simplify his his attack message, but, you know, shooting the, shooting threes when you get them, regardless of when they're in the clock, um, you know, drive kick, you know, to get open shots. Duke wasn't hitting threes. They were just driving. And because of, because they have three dudes who can do it, um, you just, there was not much you could do to stop them. You know, Barrett and Reddish remind me a lot of, not exactly like them, but they're very similar players to like Jason Tatum and Jabari Parker, who gave Virginia fits in in spots during their matchups. But you could rotate and help. But with three guys who can drive, and with one of them being the size of Zion, that's a tough a tough group. So um, I think the key is what Virginia does the next time they see him, and and what does that look like if Jones is on the floor. Yeah, I would. I want to. I want to. I want to circle back to something I told you guys the other day. I said I was going to save it for the pod, and then and didn't because I told you. Um, now, granted, sometimes Dave's the curmudgeon of this establishment, and sometimes it's me. Um, I, I get that people with with Williamson are just like it's 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 like at, at it's at that level right where he's he's getting on everybody's nerves, and none of that's his fault. I mean, he just goes out there and plays his game, and he's a special player, and he's going to get calls. Um, unfortunately for, for, for teams that play Duke, uh, he's going to get calls. Like that's just going to be the way it is. Right. He has a, he has, he has the perfect game for the college. He has the perfect game for college basketball right now with freedom of movement. Um, he's big enough and strong enough that, uh, that he can still finish through the contact, but he's going to get the call on the contact. It's basically, it's like if LeBron was in college, right. But with today's rules, um, I, I think the problem with Williamson is that it's not that he's overhyped. It's that we're all oversaturated, right? There's just too much of him. And I get why ESPN talks about him constantly. He's an exciting, electric player. Watching him against UVA, two things became very clear. If if he's going to get calls like he got in that game, and I'm not one of these people, and anybody who's followed this podcast knows this, but I'm not one of these people who like points to the referees and says like they were the reason, and I'm not doing that here. But if he gets calls like he got in this game, yeah, the dude's gonna gonna break you because he's gonna finish more often than not through the contact. He's gonna get the and one. He's not a particularly good free throw shooter, but you give him enough chances and he'll make some. Um, you can't sag off him because you can't allow him to have the head of steam, and that's the thing you would want to do against a guy who can't really shoot a three point shot, right? You'd want to lay off of him, make him fall in love with what's open as opposed to not, and then you're ready and prepared. Um, but He's almost like a um, like a like a wide receiver in a rhythm offense, right? Where if you're a cornerback, you can't just like play off the line of scrimmage. You have to play up on him. You have to get into him a little bit. Um, the problem with with Williamson is he's just too dang strong, and he just keeps going. And it doesn't really matter if you're there. And I thought what Duke did so exceptionally well 
um, was to use Virginia's uh, help principles and scramble against them, right? So the spacing of the floor, you would, you would see these times where Zion would start to make his move, and then Cam Reddish would, would, would flood the area, right? He wasn't doing that because he's, you know, he's, he's making a mistake and he's taking a man to where he shouldn't be. What he's doing is he's making the, uh, the rest of the defense react to him at a time when it shouldn't be. It should be reacting to Williamson. And I thought that some of that chess stuff was fascinating. But ultimately, what Virginia has to do is Virginia has, just has to be better. Like, these two kids, Barrett and Williamson, are, are not, they're not gonna, their games aren't going to change. You know? And Barrett, at this point, I mean, that dude is averaging like, like 19 attempts or something a game, like, which is absurd in terms of his usage. Um, but they're going to keep being who they are. And so next month when Virginia plays them, probably with game day in the house, Ferber tells me, um, I, I think you, you've got to, you, you've got to one, you got to be, you, you got to be more mindful about who you're putting on the floor. Um, I think with Trey Jones out there, you won't be able to switch one through five. So that would, that'll change the game somewhat for Virginia a little bit anyway. Um, but defending Barrett and, and Williamson is going to be as, as much of a beast then, especially because they, they won't be asked to, to carry as much with Jones back. Uh, Ferber, as you look at you, you were there in the house in Cameron. Side note, I guess I get to go back now. Um, you, what, what did you think of those two? And, and, and what, would, what would be your, your sort of um, rationale or whatever on how to stop them or slow them down? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how much you can really slow them down. I mean, I'm assuming that they'll come out and try to run some of the same stuff when they play again in Charlottesville. But obviously UVA will have some time to prepare for that. And they actually have a week between the Miami game and that game. So that'll give them some extra time to kind of get ready for it. But like you said, I mean, the talent isn't going to change. That's not going to go away. And it's not like Duke lit them up from three or anything. So, I mean, it's, it's not, we, I don't think we saw the best of Duke necessarily. Um, and they didn't shoot the free throws very well. Um, I think that you just have to try to clog the lane and then give the shooters even more space, whether that's reddish and Barrett or whoever. Um, and just like, you know, if they're going to make them, make them, but don't just give up a bunch of stuff at the rim, three point plays at the rim. Uh, you just have to do a better job with that. Um, I think that Zion, like you said, makes it, he makes it hard on defenders. He's so big and physical and it's hard not to foul him when you feel him kind of like putting his weight on you. But he also makes things tougher on referees, I think, because he initiates so much contact. But a lot of those times he did get fouled. I mean, it's, he got contact. It's just it doesn't affect him like it affects other people. He can make a shot through the contact. So a lot of fans see that and say like, oh, he's getting every call. And I think he got a lot of generous calls, but I mean, at the same time, he got to contact a lot and still scored. So, I mean, you're just going to have to try to find ways to keep him out of the lane. But I mean, conversely, there's a lot of things UVA can do better offensively. I mean, I think, what were they, three of 17 from three or whatever it was? Um, and one of those came very late. Uh, you know, that's like I said last week on this podcast when we were talking about how well UVA played against Virginia Tech and you know, what the recipe would be to beat them. I, I said the best way to beat UVA is to just hope they miss their shots. And that's exactly what they did. So, I mean, next time you play Duke, you can't be that ineffective from three. And obviously their ability to switch one through five was, I think, um, something that kind of threw UVA off and made it a little bit tougher to get those open looks that they normally get. Uh, but UVA will be ready for that next time if Duke even tries it um, with Jones on the floor. And honestly, I don't want to make like the hottest take of all time here, but Uh-oh. 
I really don't think that um, against UVA anyway. I don't think that Trey Jones' absence really hurt Duke as much as people said. And I'm not trying to say that they would have lost to be played or they were better off not having him or anything like that. But the way what he does is he thrives on creating turnovers, creating transition opportunities, and he can shoot. UVA doesn't allow people to shoot that great from three. They don't turn the ball over very much, and they don't allow transition. So he's there. His we you know his strengths are almost neutralized by the way UVA plays, just the style of play. Um, and then any you know if they're effective on top of that, then that makes him even less likely to to make a huge impact. I thought that their ability to switch one through five kind of was like a ace in the hole that they were able to right. do and i don't know if they can do that with him on the floor and then the fact that they were able to switch one through five and then when virginia decided to go iso and spread them out then they went zone you know it you're right i, I it's almost like i, I don't want to say like maybe k shouldn't try to get him back for that game but maybe k shouldn't try to get him back for that game i mean i don't think you're yeah i, I mean i'm not trying to say that like he's gonna be a, a disservice out right there right right floor, i got you creates a lot but i don't want i just I think against UVA, like the things that he's good at, UVA doesn't really allow. So I don't think that him being off the floor really hurt them that much. Right. You know, with him out, they played slow it down, grinded out basketball, and UVA, like, they play every game like that. Right. And here's the other thing. I mean, I, like I said, I don't think you're, like, out on some island in, in thinking that. I don't think that's a hot, hot take. I think it would be a hot take if you said something like, um, you know, Duke is, uh, Duke is better when R.J. Barrett's the point guard. Um, but in this scenario... Their ability to spread them out and then take them off the bounce. I mean, Virginia has Virginia has some good players, but to but to but to to be tasked with that specific objective is tough. I mean, they only had you know what I, I don't have the the box score in front of me, but how many minutes Dre and and Key played? But like those guys need to be a lot be, a lot sharper defensively. And I thought watching it. Braxton looked like maybe like I, I'm not one of these people who buys into the whole like you know Cameron um, hype and you know the whole you know there's this mythical you know whatever but I did think at times Key looked a little bit unsure of himself and he hasn't looked like that in most of ACC play that was earlier in the season this was the first game where that that looked like that and that could be because you know just because of the sheer level of talent and I mean look you talk about hot takes. I I'm not I don't I don't think that it's at this point that much of a, of a stretch to say the Virginia Tech's really not as good as everybody wanted to make them out to be, but you know sometimes you you play a crappy team and then you play a really good team and like when you play the really good team you're like oh that's what happened to UVA to me like I think that they went out there and they dusted Virginia Tech and then they went up and started playing against an actual team with some, some like really good players running some really good stuff and they're like oh. Now that's not to say that Virginia Tech can't get it straight down the road. That can't, you know, that they won't beat them when they play in Castle or any of that nonsense. I'm just saying, like on that night, uh, what what is it that uh, Ahmad Hawkins likes to say? They're trash can juice. I mean, Tech was bad, uh, not maybe even worse than they were when they got blown out by Carolina. But for them to to for basically for UVA to to play them and then and then basically switch that up and go play at Duke, I mean. Man, the fastball just got a lot faster, right? The dudes were bigger, stronger, you know. They 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 were better in in every way, um, and I think I think sometimes that's a that's a that's a thing to to deal with, uh, Dave. When when we're talking about this game going forward, and and this is a nice segue to to talking about the Wake uh, win as well. Jay Huff is from Durham. Um, Jay Huff, not not that bad at basketball. Um, 
I know we've talked about Huff a lot on this pod, and we talked about like the interesting angle of like you know this out of body experience that that everybody seemed to be having watching Huff, and like the three of us were like, oh, okay, well that's that's fine. He has obviously earned a lot more playing time the last few games. I thought he he was up to the challenge until Zion dunked on him. Um, and then I don't think I heard from him again. I mean, I don't I think he played, but I'm not sure. Um, yeah, he played in the second half a little bit. Not much, though. I think he only played like seven minutes or something. But he looked obviously looked good in, in some spots against Duke and then looked really good against Wake. Um, where do you come down right now on this whole Huff phenomenon and are you ready to buy stock in, in, in Jay Huff right now? I mean, I think I'm ready to buy stock in him. Certainly more than, you know, I was pretty hard on him at the beginning of the season because I thought a lot of the, it, it's, it's, I think it was a little bit more hype than substance beginning of the year. But the last few games that he's played in against good competition, um, he has, if anything, provided an offensive spark with like, you know, with that second or third substitution in the first half. And look, even if it's just seven minutes or 10 minutes, um, when you're a team that holds teams to 60, if you've got a guy and come in and get you four to six points pretty quick, that's a big contribution. I don't think it's anything you should cheapen because it isn't 20 minutes of action. Um, I know some people are, you know, pondering for him to get more minutes. Um, I, I think we saw against Wake, you know, he kind of wore down with those extended minutes. He wasn't didn't have the same effect in the second half um, on the back end of his minutes as he did early. And but so I think there's a there's a role for him and continuing to get continuing to play and especially last night getting those extra minutes I think will help him. You know, some a lot of his issues he's still trying to to fix or related. You know post-surgical related and losing some mass and strength and, and stamina and that stuff can be built back up, but he is a unique skill set, and we do things differently on offense when he's in there. Um, he's kind of not to still a, you know, a bad boys Detroit Pistons reference, but he is the microwave. I mean, he's really good if you need to warm something up, but you don't want to cook your chicken in there. You know, <laughs> it's, you know, it's a, uh, you saw last night, he's not ready for 20 to 30 minutes. He, he's a, he's a 10 minute guy right now. He'll work his way up. But I think it's when you talk about minutes for Huff, um, one of the things I looked up before the podcast tonight was it kind of dawned to me that big men under Tony never play a lot of minutes. Um, you know, Toby never averaged over 20 minutes a game. Jack salt is just right above 20. Uh, a kill one season went 30, but you know, kill is a special guy. Atkins never went more than low twenties. Um, just big guys in the system. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of um, activity required of you on the defensive end. Um, so I don't think you'll ever see Jay play in 25, 30 minutes a game. Well, but yes, that, he, he is much you, better than I thought he was. The fact that you just uh, said that pretty much confirmed that it will happen. Um, I oh, kind of, sure I kind of feel like your your point about you know how many minutes he's playing and the and the. Um, and the number of minutes that Biggs play, I think that's really interesting because I think about Huff and I think, well, one, on the one hand, right, he's not a traditional big in the system, right? Um, so will that mean he could play more minutes? And then I'm thinking, but on the other hand, because he is much more of a, you know, a pick and pop kind of guy, because he's going to be doing a lot more outside and he has to get back down the lane, maybe that means even, you know, that means it's even more true. The thing that 
that your your point about him, you know, not being able to play that many minutes right now. You can see, you know, when he's really going. Um, after a few minutes, you can see it on his face that he's ready for for a blow. Like you can just sort of see it. Um, but you're you're exactly right. You put him in the game. He he he, he makes a difference. Um, the the trick is figuring out when the right time is to bring him into to to the to the game and and when that impact can be the the most impactful, right? Because he's he's got an interesting skill set. Um, offensively, the way he's helped space the floor. I mean, man, they are so good when he when he's in the game. As long as he's making contributions. Now, defensively, you know, he he's a good shot blocker, shot alterer, whatever you want to call it. Um, but other than that, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot there that needs work and you can see like even against wake last night, uh, the SAR kid was, was just sort of doing, doing half dirty. I mean, and that's just going to happen to him. Tony's point, um, last night. And, and, and then again, I think he was even maybe on the teleconference this week, but the idea that, you know, he lost that time because of the, the shoulder injury. And so therefore he didn't get it. Um, he wasn't where he needed to be physically going into the season. I, I really think that Tony has done the right thing and brought him along as he should have. Um, but at the same time, I feel like getting him these minutes now is really important. How how important, Ferber, do you think it is for UVA to get Huff into the game with that consistency? I mean, I think it's really important because Jack Salt's graduating next year. Um, so I think that you got to be ready for that. But not only that, I mean, injuries happen. Um, you never know what's going on. I mean, individual games, like like Dave said, I mean, I, I'm not going to write off the possibility that he plays like a, a lot in the second half of a game and makes a really big impact because we, you don't know. I mean, it could just be matchup dependent. You might find, you know, you kind of strike gold with him in the game and, and the offense really gets going and it provides a, a spark that you didn't have with Jack in there. Um but yeah, I mean, I think that the minutes are important just because, you know, you want to build towards something with him and you want to make sure that if he does need to play, like, let's say in a postseason game, for example, um, he doesn't feel completely out of his element. Obviously, he might not be what Jack is on the defensive end, but the more he plays against ACC competition, even if it's in like, you know, garbage time type minutes, like perhaps last night, even though he played, you know, meaningful minutes in the first half against Wake. Um, I still think it's important to to make sure that he's ready to go if you need him. Yeah, before we leave the Huff thing, I mean, I think a one thing I wanted to give him credit for was, you know, throughout my fandom of UVA, you know, the many, many years of watching basketball, you've seen players kind of pop up and do things, but it's usually at home. The fact that Jay could do that at Duke and he didn't look out of place gave me probably more confidence than than anything else I've seen from him. Um it was the moment wasn't too big from him for him. And if anything, he took it and kind of elevated his game to match it. And you don't find that in a lot of players. So that's why I, I'm well ready to buy stock in him now a lot more so than I was a month ago. Yeah. And, and I think it's worth noting too, that like his issues on the defensive end are not effort related. I don't think like that's, I think the connotation a lot with defense is it's an effort end of the floor and, you know, efforts the most important thing. I mean, I see him giving effort. I think he's just still learning it, and it's still a natural. I mean, like, there's a lot of movement that goes on, and you have to be, you know, really athletic to kind of get in and out of those hedges and then getting back. Um, and I think he's still figuring that out. But, I mean, what I saw on Saturday at Duke and what I saw Tuesday, I mean, he's he's trying. Like, he's he's putting the effort out there. He's trying to block shots and get rebounds. And, 
you know, if he's doing all that stuff, then and he's making an impact, then you know he's got to see the floor at some point. Whatever Tony thinks is the right thing to do. I feel like it too. It's definitely not an effort thing. I, I think you can sometimes see a guy who who knows like what he's supposed to do, and he realizes he's not doing it. And so there's a not a spastic nature to it, but you can sort of see a guy who is trying to get his body to do things. His body isn't isn't um, isn't accustomed to doing, or it's not doing right. And you can it's like him. not responding. Right? Correctly. Yeah, yeah. It's right. like he he wants to be where he he knows where he needs to be, and he wants to be there quickly, but he's not getting there fast enough. And so you can see him at times like sort of hurrying himself into a spot as opposed to already being there. And that's the difference. I think you see it some still with key where there's a, there's an, in, there's a sort of, I don't know how, how to explain it. It, it's almost like an innate understanding of where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to be doing. Tony calls it continuous, right? When a guy's playing continuous, it's like his biggest praise, but that ability to sort of react to read and 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 move without simply reacting to something that's happened, right? So you're almost making a move or adjusting where you are on the floor based on what you expect to happen rather than what is already happening, right? Huff, you can see him doing that and you can see him trying to to get where he's supposed to be. And the other thing too is that the kid just doesn't have the base. He can't bang with his chest or with and he can't plant with, you know, he can't like he can't put himself into the floor and and be an immovable object. He he right now he is easily movable. And that is a problem because he if he can't hold his position, it's going to be tough for him. I'm worried in in a way, and we'll and then we'll we'll wrap up the huff section of the podcast and move on to the um to the next couple games after. But I'm a little bit worried about there's a there's a hype around Jay that I mean it, the three of us have talked about right that like we're 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 not sure like why people were just clamoring right. I understand being excited, but the the level of like. I mean, it, it almost reminded me of Tebow, right? These people that would tell you, like, Tebow was a good quarterback, and I'm like, I don't know about that. Um, I'm a little bit worried that, that that there is this expectation on Jay to be so much more than he is right now. I mean, like, what he is right now is exactly sort of what UVA needs him to be. And if he continues to come on, I mean, they're just so much more, like, versatile and lethal with him. Um, and he's, 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 he's really starting to hit his stride at the right time, but when he comes in the game or when he does anything on the floor or even just conversation about him online, the, the reaction to it, it's, it, it's so like beyond maybe what you, what you would think would be comparable to a guy making the sort of actual like the production that you're seeing right like i know a lot of it is because he's a tall guy who shoots and tall guys who shoots i mean look i i used the unicorn emoji last night on twitter but but there's this hype around him that i'm a little bit worried about because what happens if that beast doesn't get fed right like what happens if you know it takes him a little bit longer um than than a lot of these folks think that it should and i want to open that up to you guys are do you have any fear about sort of the the conversation around Jay Huff and the the sort of pressure that comes with that, or is this such a, a function of you know what, um, all of these kids are under a microscope and it doesn't really matter? What do you think, Dave? I mean, it's a little bit of both. Um, I do think Jay is a pretty balanced kid. I mean, he's he loves UVA. I mean, he, he's an interesting dude. Like you know, he does a lot of video stuff and um, 
but there is it is it's just i'm i can't think of a player that got that kind of re- re- reaction from the fans um you know there's bench guys like Kersey who get it momentarily you know at the end of an end of a game but as far as a player who actually plays legitimate minutes and legitimate games i i can't remember anything like it um and it is yeah i think it's got the risk of being deemed you know it has a risk of being too much. Um, probably not here just because of the veteran leadership on the squad and, and, and the coach we have. Uh, my thing, and it's it's just a little hand-wringing, it's just um, you know, how do his teammates feel about that, man? Like, you know, you got, you got Ty and Kyle out there killing themselves, Dre and Key, and then Jay comes in and dunks and the place goes crazy, or Jay blocks a shot and the place goes crazy. Um that's the only thing that bothers me about it. Just like, why can't everyone else get that? Um, but you know, he's fun to watch. I understand you don't see many seven footers with that skill set. Um, and I do think he's one of those, maybe, maybe this is it, you know, most, the casual fan on, you know, I, I know Brad would prefer this not be the case, but the casual fans just not into, doesn't know the recruits before they get on campus. But I think people knew about Jay, even though he was kind of that late bloomer recruit. And I feel like they they thought they knew a secret we had on the bench. Um, so, but it is it, it's wild, man. Maybe someone, maybe before the podcast is over, someone will pop in my mind that had a that had a similar relationship with the fans. But uh, I just don't see it. And I'm not saying necessarily that I, I don't want to make the mistake of you know this idea that like what the fans talk about on Twitter is like important. I'm not. I get that it's it's sort of not, but I I am cognizant of like the pressure that's on him, and I think. On some level, the part that the question of like, you know, does it bother the other guys? I mean, you know, Dre's got the, you know, the lottery talk and Ty right now is a first round pick. And, you know, does the fact that his two best friends are, are thought of that highly by the NBA, does that bother Kyle? I mean, that's one of those things that like on some level you sort of have to assume that they sort of figure out, right? They, that they just sort of hash it out. Um, I don't know with Huff, like, I think that kid in a year, like this time next year could be an all ACC player. I legitimately think he has that much potential. I'm just not one of these folks who I guess jumps out on the potential train. Like I watched Bryce Perkins and thought, you know what? They're going to be good. I didn't say like, Oh, he's going to lead the country in points responsible for or whatever he was. Right. Like there's a potential that a player has. And then there's like the hype that surrounds it. And I don't know what it is about Huff that, 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 that generates this sort of, um, you know, folks just fro- you know like frothing at the mouth you know what i'm saying like it's just if if you mention the guy i mean everything it's 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 almost like he's the kid that everybody has an opinion about um and they all want to tell you why you're wrong Ferber, what do you think you're you're usually the the most measured of our uh three musketeers here what what what's your your sort of read on huff and hype and where things are uh, yeah i mean i i think that I don't think it matters that much because I think the group that they have is pretty like they, they tune these things out pretty well from what I can tell it doesn't really bother them the noise and I mean they had to deal with the UMBC albatross on Saturday and every day leading up to it and they'll continue to and it doesn't seem to bother them and I don't think this will either I think Dave's point's interesting about the fan reaction and how like other players might take that I've always 
thought it was I don't want to say disrespectful because that might be a little bit too far but I've always thought it was kind of like naive of the fans to cheer the way they do for him and then not bring that level for like the starters all the time and and the fans do a great job so I don't want to make it seem like they're they're not doing what they need to do or whatever but um I always thought that was interesting that the guy has come in hasn't really played or whatever and gets treated like he's coming back from some gruesome injury or something um, but yeah, I mean, I think that this group is, is designed to deal with this sort of thing. And, and I honestly, I think that you're right. I think he'll eventually get to uh, realize a lot of the potential that people see in him. Uh, people just need to be a little bit more patient and, and understand that like, he's not going to make every shot. He's not going to, you know, the light bulb isn't going to come on and all of a sudden he's going to be Jack Salt on defense and, you know, uh, Anthony Davis on offense. It's just not going to be the way it is. So there's a learning curve, and Tony knows his roster better than anybody else, and I think that if if he feels like this is the balance that they need right now, then he's more often than not going to be right. Let's uh, shift our gears a little bit and talk about two upcoming games, Notre Dame on Saturday in South Bend and then uh, in Raleigh on Tuesday night against NC State. The The Notre Dame game, it's, it's not the weight game, but it's not too terribly far off. I mean, Notre Dame's a little bit more talented. Mike Bray probably – pound for pound might be the best coach in the league. I mean, the way that this dude takes teams that have dudes that are banged Whoa. up and st- still make, I, look, I'm just saying pure, pure coach. Like that dude, that dude can get it done. Like he takes these teams and they lose like a major piece and he still manages to make them respectable. You know what I mean? Um, I just think that that's admirable. Um, I, I realize that he's in a, in a league full of really good coaches, but um, just saying Mike Bray is really good at what he does. Um, he's also like the most genuine coach. Like I get, I, I get, always get the sense from Mike that, like, who, like what you see is exactly who he is, right? And he'll like he'll come in the press conference and I mean he'll say things that maybe he, you know, uh, it, they don't sound like talking points, and he doesn't sound like he filters. You know what I mean? Like I and I, I, I guess I can I can admit my bias. I I'm probably more impacted by that than I should be. Um, but anyway, so Notre Dame, not exactly Wake, but not exactly Duke, right? Somewhere in between a, uh, a team that is obviously not at full strength, um, but one that if you are not on top of your game, you, you could trip up against. NC State, a different animal just simply because they're more talented, um, a little bit more helter-skelter uh, in terms of what, what you can expect to see every night. Dave, as, as UVA goes into these next two games, um, where's your... Um, stress meter, how much hand-wringing you doing, um, and do you feel confident the Cavaliers will come out of it with uh, with a pair of wins? I mean, I, I don't think Notre Dame's that great. Um, but, they, you know, they sh- they shoot the three. I haven't watched them multiple times this year. I think I've seen them twice. I guess that qualifies as multiple, but um, they're, they're definitely not what we've seen from Notre Dame in the past few years. And Virginia's going to you know, get a little rest before that game, so I'm not too worried about that one. NC State was a team that was on my radar, and that game was on my radar early in the season because I, I think Keith's system is one that can challenge the pack line. Um, but they they seem to be struggling a bit recently. Um, I, I'm a little more worried about that game than Saturday. Like I, I have plans Saturday around the game. I'm planning on kind of casually watching the game while doing something else. So um, that will abruptly stop should Virginia get behind. Um yeah, NC State. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to talk bad about them. I'm just a little surprised they're not better than they are right this second. But it's also, you know, still a relatively new coach in there. Um, and it, you know, just because what I saw what happened 
under Tony, like any minute that could switch. And, you know, what better way to, to have it switch than, than beat a top three team potentially higher by then. So it's, um, you know, that, that game I've got circled for sure. Come back for that wonderful analysis. But <laughs> <laughs> for what about you? I, I mean, I, I'm guessing that when we read the, uh, the Notre Dame preview on Friday, that it's not going to predict a, um, a win for the Irish. Um, but I wouldn't be so sure about NC state if, if only because I think they're talented, but at the same time, they're just so inconsistent, you know, like it's just not a team. I, I don't have any idea what NC state could be other than just inconsistent. You look at some of the, the game, like that loss that they had to, they, they lost to that wake forest team. I don't care where they played. They play, they could play that game on the moon and you shouldn't lose to that wake forest team. Um, what are your thoughts specific? I mean, I guess talk a little bit about Notre Dame too, but specifically, what are your thoughts on, on NC state and, and what, what do you think about the Cavaliers going into that matchup? In yeah, I don't think Wake would be very good on the moon either. <laughs> it would seem to um, be a, a problem about, you know, gravity and such, but yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, yeah, like Dave, I don't think Notre Dame's very good. Um, but then after that, if they can win that one, uh, NC state, yeah. I mean, the fact that it's on the road gives you a little bit more pause than maybe it would normally. I think that if it was in JPJ, I wouldn't even think twice about it. And I'm not saying they couldn't go into JPJ and win, but, it's certainly not anything that I would think about picking. Um, Markel Johnson, I know, has been hurt recently, and, and his status is sort of up in the air. And, and they have a tough game coming up on Thursday against Louisville um, on the road, a, a much better than anticipated Louisville team. Um, and then they go and play Clemson this weekend before they have UVA at home. And, and I think that they're in like a brutal stretch, actually, after that. They have UVA and then Tech and then North Carolina and so on and so forth. But um, – yeah, I think, you, I think you hit the nail on the head. Talented, yes. Uh, they have a system. They have a philosophy that they stick to. And um, I think that that's always good to have against a team like Virginia. Uh, you know, you kind of know who you are. But the problem is they love to run, and UVA does not let people run. So I think that that's really going to hurt them. And, you know, their their best chance is they have, they have talented guards that can make shots. And I think if they can knock down some threes, uh, they're currently ranked 31st nationally in, in three-point percentage at 38.1%. Um, I think if they can knock those down, then they got a shot. If they don't, then it's probably going to be a long day. I'd still favor UVA in the game just because I just don't think that the matchup works well for NC State's players. And UVA has had a lot of success against them in the recent past. I don't think they've lost to NC State since 2013. So, um, yeah, I, I think UVA will go down there and win that one. But it should be a good environment um, against a team, a talented, you know, tournament caliber team. What about you, Dave? I mean, I think they'll win them. Um, at some point, though, I mean, Virginia's not going to win every game not against Duke. They're not going to lead every game by 20 points, right? I mean, there, there's going to be some some more challenging games coming up. And, you know, it wouldn't shock me if Notre Dame game is tight and then, you know, Virginia kind of has a little burst. And it wouldn't shock me if the NC State game is tight throughout. Um, I just think, you know, experience and, and years in the system and, and talent – Jenny gets both of those wins. Um, so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too worried. I think the thing for me about NC State is that, one, Raleigh has always, in my opinion, been uh, a place. Raleigh has always been a spot where, I mean, I always thought it was the craziest joint. Like, I don't know what it is about that place. Um, 
I mean, I've been to a lot of ACC arenas and stadiums and such, and like that was always a place that made me feel like just being in that building. State, I don't know what it is that state fans do, but it just makes me feel a little bit off. Like it just makes me feel like I'm always sort of like my head's a little bit on a swivel. I don't know what it is about that place, but that place has this like weird energy that just makes you feel uneasy. Um, but state's one of the fastest teams, you know, in terms of tempo. They're um, they're obviously you know much better offensively than they are defensively. I just don't know. From from what what a little I have watched of state this year, I, I just I just can't see them being consistent enough and being uh, efficient enough to beat UVA. Even though I, I like their talent, I mean, it, you know, Johnson being banged up is not a, is not good for them. But in terms of their 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 skill level, they've got a, a bunch of nice pieces. How they all fit together, you know, that's the question mark. They don't they don't play with a great deal of size, right? So the Thunderbird kid is six ten, uh, the Walker kid six nine. Um, but they don't, they don't really lean on either one of those guys a lot. A lot of it goes through their guards, which is what you would sort of expect, um, you know, with a Kevin Keats team. Um, but I think part of, I think part of my trepidation is because that style and and what he has done in the past has, you know, given UVA some trouble, but this team, I I would expect that they're probably going to lead both of these games by 20. Um, that just seems to be the, the, the way it goes lately. Um, Anything else for the good of your before we wrap up this week? All right. I'm good, man. All right, good. I always, I always love to want to ask my, that. Respect my decision. I'm in the portal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, either you guys transfer into another podcast or what's up? We'll Ooh, see. did I just give us a title that didn't have Jay Huff in it? I think I did. Nope. Can't no. use it. Yeah, we, we got to use Huff because, <laughs> you know, we, we got to chase those, chase those downloads. Um, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show and giving us a listen as always. If you are someone who found the podcast through the website, um, we appreciate that you, you did that. If you don't mind, look us up Apple podcast, wherever it is you get your show, uh, and give us a review that helps to get us out in front of more people, more people, more downloads, and maybe more, uh, subscribers on the, sh- on that, that website. Speaking of, if you're somebody who's found the pod, haven't given us a look, check us out. Cavscorner.com. right now. You can read my take two talking about the win over wake. Uh, that's where I break down the results and the player of the game, as well as giving you basically two takes. Why did UVA win and what does it mean? Or in today's case, I didn't change the template and it said, why didn't UVA win? And it took like 20 minutes for somebody to notice, which I appreciated. Uh, we also got a video on the site of uh, Mom Kite talking about his fast start against Wake. And I thought it was interesting, too. He talks about how it's, you know, what's different about when you're the, when you're in the game with Jack salt versus in the game with Jay Huff. And he talked about Huff's potential, which I thought was interesting. Mom a great interview. Um, I'll have video of Jay Huff on the site. Um, as you listen to this tomorrow, further or later today, as you listen to this, we'll have the power rankings up and then he'll have his Notre Dame preview tomorrow. So give us a look, calvescorner.com, plenty, plenty to, to check out. I'm not making that trip to South Bend though. So if you were looking for a website that does that, then I'm probably not your guy. Um, so yeah, again, I want to thank everybody out there for supporting the show. I also want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time. As always, I very much appreciate it. So for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of calvescorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.